You're listening to podcast audio from Radiant Church, located in Bay City, Michigan. For more information on Radiant Church, you can check us out on www.radiantbc.com or follow us on social media at Radiant Bay City. All right. Well, good morning, Radiant Church. Hey, if you're new with us, welcome. My name is Marco. I'm the lead pastor here at Radiant Church. Thanks again for making Radiant a part of your weekend. And as Victoria said, what a beautiful weekend it is. Today we are in the middle of a teaching series, a six-part teaching series entitled Spiritual Warfare, Our Spiritual Battle Against the Forces of Darkness. If you're new with us, I'll catch you up very, very quickly. But we've been learning that there is always something that you cannot see influencing what you can see. It's the unseen realm. Angels and demons are real. We have a very real adversary named the devil. And we wage war, spiritual warfare, that is, on three different fronts. And that is this, the world, the flesh, and the devil. The world, the flesh, and the devil. And this morning, we're going to be talking about the topic of fear. Fear. I want to ask you a quick question. How many of you have ever been so afraid, just shoot your hand up, so afraid that you were paralyzed in fear? Just shoot up once or twice maybe in your life. Yeah, we've all been there before, so afraid of what was going on in that circumstance that you just sort of froze in the middle of what you were doing. You know, we've all been there, and it's so important that we understand that we come to know the enemy's tactics. You see, the enemy really has two major tactics against us, and that is lies and fears, lies and fear. And if we come to understand his tactics, it puts us in so much of a better place that we are prepared to do a battle at any time in any place, right? There is a fear. Listen, we all face fears to some degree, but there is a fear that grips our hearts. There is a fear that grips our hearts. And let me just say it like this. Fear always prophesies a false picture of our future absent of God. This is sort of the mission of fear. Fear always prophesies. It foretells a false picture of our future absent of God. This is what fear will do for you. Fear will paint a picture of your future but it'll be a future without the presence of God, a future without any of God's activity. And that's a very, very dismal picture of our future. Amen, church? This is what the enemy wants to do. This is the essence of fear. This is why Satan would love people to be enslaved to fear. Because when you're enslaved to anything, it's like being in a prison. You know what I mean? It's like being trapped in a prison. And here's what I've discovered as a pastor over the last uh, several years. I've discovered that you can love Jesus with all your heart. You can serve him. You can live your life for him. And yet, listen, you can still be enslaved to fear. You can still be caught, trapped in a prison. You can love Jesus with all your heart, mind, soul. You can serve him. You can be holy unto him, and you can still live a life. Listen, in bondage to fear. 
But God has something to say about that. I'm so glad that he does. We're going to tap into that this morning. Listen, let's just take a few moments before we go there, and let's just ask God to open hearts, open minds, to be with us as we open his word. Let's pray. Father, we love you, and we thank you so much for your presence here today. God, as we um, just got done singing, Lord, we're standing on your faithfulness, God. We thank you that you are the faithful one, God, that you were with us yesterday. You're with us today. You're, you will be with us tomorrow, even though there is unknown, there is uncertainty, even though we don't know what lies ahead, God, you already do. And so, Father, we stand on your faithfulness today. Father, would you come and set captives free? Would you bring liberty to those who are enslaved, in bondage to fear, anxiety, racing thoughts that seem to come out of nowhere, that are out of control? Father, would you come and by your spirit, would you set the captive free? Lord, you said yourself in your word that you, Jesus, came to destroy the work of the devil. So God, would you do that this morning? Unlock deaf ears, open blind eyes, and soften every hardened heart in this place today. Would you go and do a work by your spirit in our hearts, in our lives? Bring transformation, we pray. Oh God, we wanna see you, know you, experience you in a new way today, Lord. I pray that people would come to faith today, God. Born again in your presence today. If someone is in here who's in darkness, who's not following you, I pray, God, that you would ignite faith in their life, God, that they would see you and respond to you. We thank you for all of this. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. <clears throat> well, let me begin this morning by asking you a very simple question. Do you think there's a, such a thing as a good fear? Is there such a thing as a good fear? Well, the answer is yes. That's right. That's right. The answer is yes. Healthy fear, listen, let me, let me first start with this. Healthy fear alarms us to danger ahead of us or danger that is near us. And the adrenaline rush that often follows it leads us to respond with what? With a fight or flight. With a fight or flight. So if there's no way out and there's no way to escape, what are you going to do? You're going to fight. You're going to fight your foe. You're going to fight your enemy. You're going to fight for survival, for your family. That's one case, right? Now, in the other case, though, maybe there is room. There's room between you and the opposition. There's space between you and the enemy. So what are you going to do in that case? Well, in that case, you probably should just run. You should just run, and that's called flight. And this will ensure that when you run, run, run far away, it will ensure that you are out of danger's way. We call this fight or flight. This is a healthy fear that we all experience to one, at one time or another. I don't know if you've seen this going around the internet lately, this week especially though, there's been a video of a man in Japan on Mount Futugo who was attacked by a grizzly bear. Anybody see that video footage? Maybe a couple of you maybe, all right? And if you haven't seen that footage, guess what? We have it here for you today. That's right. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Amen. Listen, don't worry, though, it's not gory, and if there's any curse words, they're in Japanese, and you can't understand them anyways, okay? So here is this man caught in a battle with a fierce grizzly bear. Go ahead and show that video. 
How's that for an adrenaline rush, right? Wow, right. Now, let me ask you a quick question, pop quiz here. How can you tell the man's afraid? Yeah, right? That pretty much gives it away, doesn't it, right? The flailing on the arms, kicking and screaming, right? So here's this man on Mount Futugo. He's trying to escape a bear. He climbs up, but he runs out of space to climb. And what does he have to do? He has to fight. But thankfully, right, thankfully, this grizzly bear does not get fully a hold of him, because I think if the grizzly bear would have gotten fully a hold of him, it may be a different story, right? I don't think he would be alive. Let's just say that. And so what does he do? He tries his best to fight off the bear, to kick and scream and get out of danger's way. This is the fight that he has in him. And again, if the bear would have got to him, I think it'd be a different story, folks, right? So that's one type of fear. There's another type of fear that is also a good type of fear, and this is known as the fear of the Lord, to fear God. The scripture talks about this in Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. In fact, the scripture talks about this all over the place in the Old Testament and the New Testament, okay? Proverbs 9, 10 says it like this, the fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord is what? Is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. I love this. Leave that verse up there for just a few more seconds. The fear of the Lord, what does that mean? It means literally to revere God, to be in his presence, and to be at all of him. So many people, even Christians, treat God flippantly. <clears throat> Excuse me. So many people take God lightly. They just treat God like he's just everybody else, right? They treat him flippantly. flippantly. They, treat, they take advantage of him. And the scripture tells us, no, fear the Lord. And when you acknowledge, what does that really mean? You acknowledge that God is the all-knowing, most powerful being, that he has the power of life and death in his hands. Listen, and when you stand in his presence, you should fear him. You should have reverence for God and the Bible tells us that when you acknowledge him as the Holy One, the all-powerful one, the one whose life is in your, his very hands, you can begin to have real wisdom. You can begin to have true understanding. But it has to start with fearing God, right? It must begin with fearing the Lord. And so that's another type of fear that is a good type of fear. But what about the bad fears? Well, that's pretty much all the other fears that we have. That's like the rest of the fears that we experience, right? These learned experiences, right? Bad fears are the rest of the fears. These are the ones that disable us. These are the ones that paralyze us. These are the ones that like prevent us from moving forward in life. These are the ones that cause us to cower back, to be held back. We're unable to move forward because of what? Because of fear. Because of fear. Fear of the unknown, fear of the future, all of those things. Here's what I want to do. I'm going to give you a list of the top 10 fears. This is not exhaustive, of course, but these are the most popular types of fear that exist. You may resonate with one of them. Maybe you resonate with all 10 of them, okay? Number one, fear of failure. This is very popular. What if I fail? What if it doesn't go the way I thought it would go? What if I fail? 
Number two, fear of rejection. What if I show up and nobody likes me? What if they're weirdos, right? What if I come to church for the first time and everyone's a weirdo, okay? And I don't, people give me dirty looks. What if lightning strikes me? This is what people have said before me, right? Well, thank God for Jesus. Lightning probably won't strike you, but, right? You're afraid of being rejected. Fear of the unknown, number three, okay? I don't know, I don't know what's ahead. Well, guess what? I don't either, okay? So <laughs> join the club. Fear of uncertainty, like what's in our future? What's going to happen? The inflation is going up, right? And interest rates, ah, like I don't know. Ah, I'm just all, I'm so afraid of the unknown. Fear of missing out. It's called FOMO, right? Fear of missing out. Church, let me just say this to you. This is the reason why your friends don't give you, don't give you a response to your invitation to the very last minute because they're waiting out to see if something better happens. You need to find yourself some new friends if that's the case, okay, right? They're afraid something better might happen or show up, and so they won't respond until the very last second. Hey, you want to go to the movies tonight? I don't know. What do you, what do you, what, what do you got going on? Well, I, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm waiting. I'm going to wait over a little bit, and all right, two hours later. Hey, you want to go to the movies? I'm not sure. And like 10 minutes before, hey, let's go see Batman. Okay, finally, right? Fear of missing out. Fear of change. Change is difficult, does anyone really like change? No one really likes change, right? Pastor Jacob and Kinsey moved from um, Jackson, Michigan uh, just several months ago, and we love them. We're so grateful for them on our team now. And, uh, but they had a great community where they were at. Their church loved them. They loved their church. They were um, very, very much serving on the worship team and different teams there. And they knew that God had called them here to Bay City without a shadow of a doubt. But can I just tell you, Change is still hard. Like, it's still been kind of hard on them. They're not, they, they don't want a pity party by, by all means, but it's still been hard because no one likes going through change. We get accustomed to the way life is. The next one, fear of death. This one has gripped our world since 2020. Amen, hasn't it? It's, people aren't afraid of COVID. Did you know that? People are afraid of dying. That's what we're afraid of. We're afraid of dying. The fear of death has gripped our nation has gripped our world, the fear of death. The next one, the fear of losing control. Who's a control freak in here? Come on, say it loud and proud. Go ahead and raise your hand if you're a control freak, right? I gotta control my situation. If I can't control it, ah, 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 ah. Hey, 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 take it easy. Take it easy. The, the idea, though, is, is that we think that we have control, but the control that we have is very, very, very little. Did you know that most control is just an illusion? We can only control how we respond. This is why our, our posture to our Heavenly Father should be like this, open hands. Father, my life is in your hands because I have no idea what tomorrow brings and I cannot control any of it. The fear of control, losing control. The next one, the fear of losing, or the fear of discomfort, I'm sorry, fear of discomfort. We're afraid of being uncomfortable. Number nine, fear of getting hurt. We may not want to be hurt. We're afraid of what that's going to look like. That, that could be physically hurt. That also could be relationally hurt. Maybe you came out of a bad relationship. You were abused, used by a boyfriend, a girlfriend, whatever it was. You, you, you've been through trauma, so you're going into the next relationship with your guard up. That can be a good thing, but that can also taint you and hurt your future relationships, your fear of getting hurt. Her. And then finally, number 10, the fear of success. It's crazy, but some people are afraid of being successful. 
Like, what happens if it goes well? What am I going to do if it goes well? If, if things are great for me, if I am blessed, if this all works out, what's that going to look like? I'm so afraid. It's a real thing, but some people are afraid of success. Now, all these fears are learned through experience. And here's what happens, church. As we grow and experience different life circumstances, here's what we do. We catalog these different experiences, and when something goes bad, here's what we do. We tell ourselves, never again. That went wrong last time. I tried that that thing last time. I went to church before, and I know how that, that was weird. And, uh, uh, uh. I'm not, never going again. I always tell people, hey, have you ever got a bad haircut? And they say, yes. Have you recently been to a hairstylist? Yes, I have. Okay, the church is the same way. Okay. One bad hairstylist does not make getting a haircut a bad thing. We catalog these experiences in our heads in our minds, and it trains us. We're reprogrammed, and here's what happens. Fear becomes the dominant sort of factor in our lives, and we're controlled by it. Now, we'd never admit that to anyone, but the reality is, is that we're making all of our decisions based on what? Fear. Fear. What if this doesn't happen? What if this does happen? What if I lose control? What if I get hurt again? What if it goes wrong? What if it's weird? What if people reject me? So forth and so on. Because we've had a few bad experiences, here's what we're taught. We're taught never to dream. We're taught never to try something new. We're taught never to take any adventures. We're taught never to risk anything at all. That is the voice of fear in your life, in my life, right? I'm well acquainted with fear as well. Fear almost prevented my wife and I from starting a church. What if it goes wrong? What if this doesn't work out at all? What if I'm homeless, okay? <laughs> like, fear almost became the dominant voice in my life, and I decided to trust God instead. Was I still afraid? You bet I was. Heck yeah, I was. And yet, we decided to trust God and not fear. Fear becomes the dominant factor in our lives. It controls us. And let me just say this. This is not the way God designed life to be. Let me speak that over you quickly. This is not the way life was meant to be lived. Did you know that in the scripture, there is a fear not command at least 365 times? Fear not or do not be afraid. That's one commandment to not be afraid for every day of the year. Why is that? Because God knew that fear would be our greatest opposition, one of our greatest opponents. God knew that. The reason people don't give, they're afraid they won't have enough. The reason people won't serve, they're afraid they're going to be too busy. Fear, it drives our lives. But the word of God has given us a fear not commandment for one or every single day of the year. And this morning, here's what I want to do. I want us to tap into two verses, really one verse this morning from Scripture from the New Testament. It's a letter that was written by a guy named Paul to a younger protege. His name was Timothy. Timothy is the protege. He's the, the understudy. He's the young pastor in Ephesus, I believe it is. And Timothy's facing some pressure. Timothy is in the middle of a culture where Christianity is not celebrated. Okay, there, it's hostile towards believers. There's pressure. How many of you know that leaders experience an immense amount of pressure? 
If you're a Christian leader, the pressure goes up, way up, okay? If you're a Christian leader, one who actually honors and loves Jesus with your life, well, a lot of people are going to hate you, okay? And you're just going to experience immense pressure from those around you to cave in, to do what everybody else is doing. This is Timothy's role right now. This is Timothy's life. Young guy, pastoring a church in the middle of a hostile environment, Timothy is feeling the pressure, and Paul writes to say, Timothy, I want you to remain faithful where you're at. Like, what you're doing, Timothy, is a good work. It's a good thing. Stay strong. Stay focused, okay? Don't be afraid. So Paul writes this letter to Timothy. Here's what it says, two verses, 2 Timothy 1, 6 and 7. For this reason, there's a context here, obviously, For this reason, I remind you, Timothy, to what? To fan into flame the gift of God. Let me just pause there for a second. If you have a gift from God, don't sit on it. Don't be lazy. Don't waver. Don't put it to the wayside. What does Paul say? The commandment is this. Fan it into flame. I'm just going to say this prophetically. Some of you are singing on the gifts that God has given you. You're waiting for something to happen You're waiting for God to write a sign in the sky. The scripture says, don't wait on it. Fan it into flame, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. And then verse number seven, church, here it is. For the spirit God gave us, Timothy, God gave us, church, does not make us timid. Literally doesn't make you a coward. The spirit God gave us does not make us a coward, but gives us, here it is, power, love, and self-discipline. What does that mean? Power, love, and self-control. Some translations say of a sound mind. Maybe your translation says that. Paul tells Timothy, listen, you've been given a gift, fan it into flame. What does that mean? It means cultivate it. It means steward it well. It means steward it so that gift grows. It increases in its effectiveness. That's what it means. Fan it into flame so the fire goes up. The flame is lit and you're red hot, Timothy, for Jesus. Don't sit on your hands. Don't be lazy. Don't be afraid. Here's the interesting thing about this verse. If you want to put that verse up, uh, verse uh, 8, I think it is. Put verse 8 again if you can. Or 7, sorry. The word timid there, notice how it's bolded. We bolded that, obviously. The Greek word that Paul used here, because the New Testament was written in Koine Greek, the Greek word that Paul used is not the common word that was used for fear in that day. This is super interesting. The common word for fear that was used in that day is the word phobos or phobos. Phobos is where we get the word phobia, right? Like arachnophobia, right? We've all heard of that, watched the movie back in the day. Some of you are like, I don't know what that is. That's okay. Google it. So we get the word phobia. Paul doesn't use that word here. He actually uses a different Greek word. It's the word dahlia. Dahlia. Dahlia does not show up very often. In fact, that I think I believe anyways, this form of the word dahlia is only used once here. I think there's dahlias, which is used in uh, a couple of places in the gospel. But the form of the word used here, it's the only place it shows up. This word dahlia, though, does show up in extra biblical literature. What does that mean? Well, extra biblical literature means um, 
Greek literature in the first century in that time. Uh, like maybe Aristotle or other sort of philosoph Greek philosophers, extra biblical literature. Now, that word, dahlia, is referring to, actually, this is kind of wild. It refers to one who flees from the battle. That's interesting, isn't it? One who flees from a battle. What do you call someone who flees from a battle? You call them a coward. That's what Paul is actually saying here. He's saying this, Timothy, the spirit that the Lord has given you, in other words, when you become a Christian, it's not, it's not because I believe A, B, C, and D about God. It's not really that. Becoming a Christian is very supernatural. It's literally the Holy Spirit that imparts new spiritual life into you. It's called being reborn or born again. It's a very supernatural and mysterious thing. Jesus himself said it was like the wind. It blows, but you don't know where it goes and where it comes from. That's what it's like to be born again by the Spirit. The Spirit, listen, gives you, imparts to you new spiritual life, and the Spirit indwells you, the very essence, presence of God here on the earth, and that Spirit, listen, church, that fills you, if you're a believer today, that fills you is a Spirit that does not make you a coward. It's a Spirit that gives you courage and boldness. Yeah, that's good, right? It gives you courage and boldness. And so Paul is saying, listen, Timothy, the package deal that you've received, if you're reading the fine lines, if you're reading the small print, the package that you've received, there's nothing there about being a coward or about being timid. The spirit you've been given is the opposite. Hey, you know when you buy like a new car or a used new car, you go to the dealer, right? And the, 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 the salesman, those are, those are easy to deal with in my mind. It's those guys that work in the financial office, Man, those are the guys that try to sell you everything, right? So you're like, okay, I got the car. Like, I'm good. And they're like, yep, you just got to meet with Jim. He's going to be in the financial office. He's got some things he wants to fill you in on. You're like, oh, this is the guy that wants to sell me everything, right? And so you walk in, and he's like, hey, how you doing? <laughs> and pretends like you're chum, chumming it up, your pals. And you're like, listen, let's just, let's just cut the small talk. I know what you're here for. You're here to take all my money, okay? I'm not, I'm not buying it. All right, well, that's a great new package you got, but let me just tell you right now, that computer's going to break down in eight months, and you're going to need someone to fix that. And I tell you, it's really difficult and very expensive. And if you have this package, though, it's only going to cost you $75 extra a month. Now, you'd be an idiot to, to turn this down. And you're like, nope. Okay, then. Package number two, it's a little bit less. This is only $55 extra a month. Now, it includes these things, and you're like, nope. And then package number three, this is only $35 a month, right? And then I just reject all the packages, and he's like, fine. Poof, sign here to say you rejected all of it. Right? I'm signing away, right? It's a package, and if you read the fine line, right, the, the small print, you get the details on what that includes. And it's like Paul's telling Timothy, listen, 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 listen. The package God has given you, spirit that indwells you, if you look at it closely, man, it does not include being timid. It does not include being a coward. Timothy's like, what, really? And so let me just ask you these two questions. Number one, when was the last time you held back because of fear? I want you to reflect upon that. Maybe it was yesterday. Maybe it was a week ago. Maybe it was a job opportunity you turned down because it was like, what if, what if, what if, right? 
What if it was like a team? What if it was a, a, a team you were going to serve on here at church? What if it was, you were going to lead a small group, but then you talked yourself out of it? You're like, I'm not equipped. I don't know what I'm doing. People will laugh at me, right? When was the last time you held back because of fear? Number two, when was the last time you didn't take your next step of faith because of fear? So you may have held back, but listen, can I just tell this to you this morning? Our relationship with God, our walk with God is not stagnant. Amen? Amen, right? It's not stagnant. What does it mean? I mean, listen, you should be moving forward. That's what I mean. You should be taking steps, not going backwards, and not just sitting still. You're, you're moving forward. That's, that's our journey with God. That's our relationship with Jesus Christ, moving forward. When's the last time you did not take that next step of faith, though? Because of fear, right? Because of, because of fear. This is what fear causes us to do. It causes us to cower back. We hold back when we're afraid. We don't participate. We don't try our best. We'll only follow God up to a certain point. Maybe we just, again, we're just afraid of every, what everyone will think. What if, what if I fail? What if people don't like me? What if people reject me, right? I mean, there's all kinds of lies that we hear the enemies saying to us. Either way, fear causes us to hold back. Again, fear almost held my wife and I back from God's destiny for us. But notice again verse number seven, because Paul offsets this statement with what God does give us. And let me just tell you this this morning. What God gives us, listen, is so much better. What God gives us is so much better. Verse number seven, one more time. But the spirit God gave us, okay? The spirit, if you're a believer, the spirit that indwells you, the one that raised Jesus from the grave, does not make us timid or does not make us a coward. But, here's what it does, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Three things, power, love, and self-discipline. So the spirit that fills you right now gives you these three things as a way to what? To do battle against the lies of the enemy and the fear that he tries to grip, to grip you with. Power, Love and self-control. So Paul says that God doesn't give us fear so that we should cower, but he first gives us this, power. Let me talk about that for just a few moments. It gives us power. You see, when you have a relationship with God through his son Jesus, Jesus gives you his spirit and he lives on the inside of you. This is that supernatural thing I was talking about just a few moments ago. So when we say when someone is saved, we don't just mean that they believe the right things. That is a part of it, yes. But it's a very supernatural thing, again, where the Holy Spirit literally imparts new spiritual life to you. Theologians use a fancy word called regeneration. You've been regenerated. That's why you can be a churchgoer for years and years and years and actually not know Jesus. So when the Spirit comes to indwell you, he gives you this power. And his power makes you courageous. In the book of Acts, um, Luke, who is the author, he writes that the disciples, or I'm sorry, he wrote the gospel of Luke, 
And after the resurrection, he says this, that Jesus actually appeared to his disciples for over 40 days, speaking of the kingdom of God. And I want you to notice what Luke, what we see Jesus actually say here about the indwelling presence of God. Here's what it says. He said to them, it is not for you to know, Jesus is now speaking here. It is not for you to know, talking to his disciples, the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you, and all of us today, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses, or in other words, will testify in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, keeps going further out, and to the very ends of the earth. And this is what happens to the disciples. You can just read um, Acts in the New Testament. you, You see it happen. There are many, many instances where the disciples, the apostles, they should be very, 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 very afraid. They should be very fearful. They should cower back. They should, be, uh, they should be cowards, right? And yet, here's what happens. In the face of fear, in the face of danger, what do they do? Speak up. Filled with boldness. They're given great courage. Now, this is a courage that is not from themselves. This is a courage that comes from who? The Spirit of God. The Spirit of God. And so Paul says, listen, Timothy, I want to remind you, the Holy Spirit gives you power, power. That power will make you bold and courageous. Second, Paul says that God gives us his love, that God gives us his love. Can I just tell you, I think this is the best part of the deal. I think this is the best part of the deal because when you know, when you know, when you truly know, not just know in your mind, but know in your heart as well, when you know that God loves you, listen, there's nothing that you'll be afraid of. Why? Because when you know how much your Father in heaven loves you and cares for you, there's nothing that will make you afraid. Listen, you may be fearful for momentarily, for a few moments. You may be nervous or anxious about an event, but can I just tell you that's momentarily. It's just for a moment, just for a moment, because you know how much your heavenly Father loves you. He's a good Father. He wants what's best for you. Doesn't mean that everything's going to go your way. Of course not. We live in a broken world, very broken. But it does mean that he'll be with you every step of the way. His love makes us whole. His love makes us confident. His love never fails. The solution to fear, church, listen, I think so often the solution to fear is being rooted and established in the love of God. Now, when I say I want you to know the love of God, again, I don't want it to just be something that is intellectual assent. I want you to experience God's love. And when you experience God's love, I promise you, I promise you, listen, it's going to change your life. I want you to receive a revelation of the love of the Father. It will transform your heart. It will change you. When you know that he loves you, and I just tell you, that is a solution for all the fear, the racing thoughts, the anxiety that you've been facing. Finally, the last one. Paul says that God gives us what? Self-discipline or self-control. This is important because we have many desires, right? We have many, many desires. Some of our desires are good. A lot of our desires are bad. And if they're unattended to, they would destroy our lives, right? Okay, so here's what culture tells us right now. Culture tells us this. The world will tell us this, that if you don't do and obey all the desires that you have in your heart, 
it is a form of, or it is a way of being inauthentic. That's what's being fed to most people in our world right now. So people think, well, I don't want to be inauthentic. I want to be my authentic self. So what they do is they do everything that they feel like doing. But then what they feel like doing often ends up, maybe not right away, <laughs> but down the road. Listen, come on. It gets you into some trouble. People end up divorced. People end up overweight and unhealthy. Or people end up in prison. Because they just did whatever their flesh desired them to do. That is, not, that is not freedom. That is actually called bondage. That's slavery. The New Testament calls that slavery. When you're a slave to just every single desire. You see, true freedom is actually the ability to obey God. That's true freedom. When you're enslaved to your fear, when you're enslaved to simply your desires, your lust, your greed, your desire to do evil, that just makes you a slave. And I promise you, church, I promise you that the end of that road is death and destruction. We need self-control. Paul says, Timothy, the spirit you've been given gives you self-control. Most of us lack it. But Paul says that it is one evidence that the spirit of God is working within you. Here's what Paul writes in a different letter. Paul says this, Galatians 5, through 25, Paul writes, but the fruit of the Spirit, in other words, the evidence that God is working inside of you, the proof of it is this. It shows up like this. You show up in the world like this. Is love, because some people are hard to love, so we need love. Joy, because some of you are grumpy all the time. Peace, because some of your racing thoughts are controlling you. Forbearance, that just means patience, okay? Kindness, because some Christians are just really rude. Goodness, and what? Faithfulness, being faithful, showing up on time. If you're going to be called to serve on the kids' team, it means you show up when you're supposed to show up. Gentleness, and here's the last one, self-control. Self-control. Against these things, there's no law, because who those who belong to Christ Jesus, here's what Paul says, have what? Crucified the flesh. What is the flesh? Does it mean blood and your organs? It doesn't mean that. It means your unruly desires that can uh, take you in the direction you don't want to go in. Your flesh have crucified the flesh with its what? Passions, with your sexual lusts, your desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Paul says, listen, if you're in Christ, you don't live by the flesh. You live, your life is governed by the Spirit of God. Yeah, amen to that. Yeah, that's right. Your, your life is governed by the Spirit of God. Therefore, listen, all the things that, could, like, the things that you want to say, <laughs> but you know you shouldn't say them, then don't say them. Right, the things that you want to do, like the sexual desires that are outside of covenant marriage between a man and a woman, like you, you need to submit those over to the Lord. Is it wrong to, have, to want sex? No, of course it's not. God made us for that. But outside of those confines, it destroys our lives. Remember, it's like a fire. It's, in a good context, it's used to, to heat a house, to warm, to bring light to a room. In a bad context, it burns the whole neighborhood down. So desires, listen, if they're left unchecked, unattended to, eventually what? They just consume us. They consume us, I promise you. For some of you, you may be thinking, I don't know, that sounds like 
really restricting, and Christianity just sounds like a big straitjacket. No, 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 no. Your way of life right now is a straitjacket. Your way of life is slavery. I don't want to be a slave. You're a slave if that's what you believe. I know that's hard to hear. You may not like that, but I'm here to tell you the truth. The truth is, listen, freedom is the ability to be able to to obey God and abide in his will. And that only happens if you have the spirit of God living on the inside of you to give you what? Self-control. Self-control. So here's the next question I have for you, because maybe you're asking this question. All right, Pastor Marco, this sounds good. Some of this makes sense to me. I'm newer to the Bible, so I'm still trying to figure it all out. So what, is, what exactly should I be afraid of then? Huh? I mean, you're going to tell me that? What, what should I be afraid of, right? Should I, should I freak out about the government encroaching our liberties? Should I panic about, you know, the inflation? Should I lose my mind about the interest rates going up again another percent? Two, 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 two more percent, right? Should I freak out about those things? What should I exactly be afraid of? China? I mean, like, they're crazy, right? So should we be afraid of China? <laughs> it's a joke, so. What should I be afraid of? Here's what I think you should be afraid of. There is one thing I, I, think, I think you should be afraid of. Some of you are like, oh, finally, I can be afraid of something. I think you should be afraid of wasting your life. I think you should be afraid of wasting your life. Let me say it like this. We should be afraid of giving our lives to insignificant things. You should be afraid of giving your life to Pokemon. You should be afraid of giving all of your time and your energy to something that has no eternal significance. That's what you should be afraid of. You should panic about that. You should think, oh my God, what if, not that, what if the interest rates go up? No, you should say, what if I give my life to something that doesn't matter? That's what you should panic about. You should freak out about that. Now, what if I don't have enough money to finish the project in my house? No, you don't need to freak out about that. No, freak out about what if you give all of your time and energy to just a house, to brick, mortar, wood, and nails. All of your focus, all of your worship, all of your time is devoted to a house that will eventually crumble to the ground. You should be very afraid of, what if I give my life to things that don't matter? You can be afraid of that. Years ago, I read a book by John Piper called Don't Waste Your Life. Maybe you read it. Maybe you heard of it. In the book, John Piper writes, and he pleads with his readers that they would not give their lives to trivial matters. Like what? Like what? Like just more success, more comfort, and more pleasure. Because that's usually what we seek, right? I want pleasure, I want more comfort, and I want more success. Those things aren't bad. God gives those things, okay? He does give those things. But those should not be the central focus of our lives. Rather, what Piper argues is that what we should do is give our lives away to Christ, and that our lives, listen, would glorify him in every sphere of our life. And so here's what he says. Piper writes this. He says, God created me and you to live with a single, all-embracing, all-transforming passion, namely what? 
a passion to glorify God by enjoying and displaying his supreme excellence in all the spheres of life. In other words, you weren't created to worry about a dumb house. You weren't created to freak out about what happens if, you know, the government comes after us. You were created to please God with your life and to glorify him in every aspect of how you live. So be afraid. Be afraid of giving your life the things that don't even matter. You can leave there. You can leave here afraid of that. That's okay with me. Because why? Because I think that if this happens, it'll cause all of us to live our lives differently. It'll cause all of us to begin to, to analyze the way that we use our time. How do our money, where's our money going to? Just insignificant things? Or to the God's kingdom, for his glory, for his use? So let me ask you a question. What are you so afraid of, right? What are you so afraid of? We all have something. We can all answer that differently. But what if the point today, church, is this? What if the point wasn't to absolutely rid fear of your life? Because I know that sounds like nearly impossible, and I get that. You're like, ah, that sounds far-fetched, and okay, he's got a couple of verses from the Bible. Eh, okay, I don't know. What if the point wasn't to just rid fear completely from your life? What if rather this? What if rather the point was to be freed from fear's captivity? Here's what I mean. I mean this. I mean, you can still take a step forward in life in the presence of fear if you're free from its captivity. You can still walk forward in life if you're free from fear's captivity. And here's the thing. You might still be afraid, but because you're set free from its captivity and you're liberated, it doesn't mean that you'll shrink back. It doesn't mean that you'll cower. It doesn't mean that you'll stand still. It means that you'll, with boldness, with confidence, with assurance of who God has said he is to you, you'll move forward in life. You'll take another step of faith. You'll, you won't waste your life. Every aspect of your life will be used to glorify your Father in heaven and to enjoy his Son, Jesus Christ. It's amazing. Let me give you a definition of fear or courage this morning. Here's courage, what I think courage is. Courage is action taken, not in the absence of fear, but in the face of fear, in the face of fear. Courage doesn't mean that you'll never be afraid. It just means that you're willing to take action in spite of your fears, in spite of your, well, what if she doesn't like what I say? What if I try to do that and she does this? No, 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 you honor God. I, I mean, I, I say this to like, I feel like I say this to couples all the time or married couples, or people who are in a relationship that's not healthy. I'm like, you need to honor the Lord first. And they just keep saying, but what if, but what if she says that? But what if he does? Your, your, your fears are ruling your life. Don't you understand this? Obey God. Move forward. You are letting fear handcuff you. You're a slave right now, and you'll never live into God's purposes because of that. You're afraid. You need to move forward. Do not trust that God loves you. Do not trust that God loves him or her. Do you not trust that God has a purpose for your life, right? A purpose for her life, his life. You're living your life with fear as the dominant factor. And therefore, all of your decisions are based on fear. All of your decisions are based on fear. 
What if she breaks up with me? What if she walks away? Let her walk away, bro. She didn't love Jesus anyways. <laughs> let her walk away. That's right. Let, her, let him walk away. Well, what if I'm alone for the rest of my life? Don't believe the lie of the enemy. Let him walk away. He treated you like garbage. He spat on you. He was lazy. Homeboy didn't have a job. Let him walk away. So what? So what? Do you believe that God loves you? Do you believe that he's given you power? Do you believe that he's given you a spirit that doesn't make you hold back, but gives you boldness and courage? So what? It's time for the church to begin kicking the devil in his face. Right? So many of us live our lives making decisions that are based on fear. I see it in young people. I see it in singles all the time. It's driving me crazy. Can I just rant for a second? It's driving me absolutely crazy. I'm so sick of it. Sick of people saying, well, if I do that, this is going to happen. If I do that, uh, uh. come on, man. What, what? Where is the courage? Where's the boldness that you need? And, and the ones who decide I'm going to obey God, you know what I see over and over and over again? They are blessed. They're blessed. God shows up. There's favor. There's blessing, right? God shows up. Because why? Because they're taking another step of faith in the presence of fear. That's what God is asking you to do. And all of you this morning, all of you watching online, there's something you're walking through where God is calling you to be faithful, to be full of courage. Some of you have cowered back. Some of you have held back. Some of you are afraid. And God is calling you to move forward in obedience to him. And you know what it is. I don't know what it is, but you know the spirit of God has already revealed it to you. Come on, church. Come on, church. God is looking for a courageous church in the middle of a scared world. A courageous church. And let me just say this this morning. Those three things that Paul says that God gives us power, love, self-control. You can pray for those things. You can ask God. He's a kind father. You're like, Marco, I don't feel powerful. Okay, then that's, that's okay. There's no condemnation. I don't feel like I'm loved. Okay, well, you need to begin to ask God for a revelation of his love. God, would you show me how much you love me? I don't, I don't know if I buy it. I don't know if I've ever experienced it. God, I need self-control. My urges and my, the things that I want, oh my gosh, like they are just out of this world. Father, by your spirit, would you give me self-control? Let me just say one final thing before we wrap up. Jesus, Jesus himself, he confronted the fear of death. He faced the fear of death and he defeated it by going to the cross in our place. And here's the best part. Because Jesus defeated the fear of death, now with us in all of our little fears, he's with us. He's with us. Jesus faced the greatest fear anyone would know, it's the fear of death, the fear of rejection. Jesus faced it, he defeated it, and now in all of our little battles, he's with you. He's with you. He's with you. It doesn't mean it's always easy. No, it's not. Uh-uh. It won't always be easy. The Bible never promises us everything's going to be a piece of cake. It will be very difficult for some of you. It'll, there'll be tears for some of you. But he's with you. He's with you. He's with you. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. Let's bow our heads this morning. Would you close your eyes? If you don't know Jesus this morning, I want to give you an opportunity. You cannot begin to overcome fear if you don't know the God of all creation. 
This morning, I want to give you a chance to do that, to make a step of faith. Maybe you're afraid because you're like, well, what will my family think of me? Then there's fear talking again. Well, what about my friends? What if I have to find new friends? And you might have to find new friends. It's true. It's very true. What if my coworkers make fun of me? They might. They absolutely might do that, okay? I want to give you a chance to trust in Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one that has gone before you. He took your sin upon the cross. He died the death that you deserved, that I deserved. He lived the life that we could not live, which was a sinless life. And three days later, Jesus was raised from the grave. He defeated death, hell, the grave. Jesus now sits at the right hand of the Father. And one day, Jesus is coming back to our earth. And he's going to right every wrong. He's going to make all things new the way that it was intended to be. No more pain, no more tears, no more death, no more disease. Jesus will right every wrong. He's coming back for his church. And if you want to be a part of that, if you want a new life right now and a new life into eternity, listen, I want to give you an opportunity to pray with you. I'm going to just begin to pray. And I want you to say this prayer with me just under your breath. Father, I love you. God, I love you. I give you my heart today. Forgive me of all of my sins, God, for I know they are many. Father, I commit my heart to you in my life right now, God. God, give me a new heart, Lord. Lord, forgive me of the wrong decisions I've made in my past, God. Cleanse me, God, white as snow. Make me new, Lord. God, I want new life, not just in eternity, but right now. God, would you make me brand new, as the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, make me a new creation. I want to live for you. I want to follow you for the rest of my life. My life, God, I want it to look dramatically different from this point on. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. If you said that prayer this morning, listen, I want you to talk to one of us today. Maybe it was your first time giving your life to Christ. We want to help you on that journey. For the rest of you, let me just say a closing prayer, and we'll be out. Lord, we love you. We thank you, God. God, power, love, and self-control right now delivered into your people, downloaded into your people. Power, love, and self-control. Fear does not have the last word. You do, God. Fear, be gone in Jesus' name. Fear, be gone in Jesus' name. All anxiety, be gone in Jesus' name. All, all, all worrying, be gone in Jesus' name. We're loved. We have power from the Spirit. We've been given self-control. We receive those things right now in your name. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's clap our hands for King Jesus this morning. <laughs> Prayer team, if you want to come up, we want to pray with you this morning.